Welcome back, everyone. My name is Michael LeBlanc, Director and Senior Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Community Wealth Management. And thanks for joining us again this week live, where we review everything uh, that we saw in the markets last week and what we see coming up. Uh, today, we're going to be talking quite a bit about inflation and what that means for your portfolio and how you can manage that in your portfolio. So we'll get to that after we get, so you get through the market news. Uh, of course, you can always watch these if you're watching live with us, catch us every Tuesday at noon. Uh, we do have specials out on our MikeOnMoney.com uh, channel and, and our podcast if you want to catch any of those as well. So we try to do a deep dive once a week. But with that, let's dive into things this week uh, with everything in the market. As always, remember, everything we talk about is, uh, is just for your information purposes, for educational purposes. Always do your own due diligence or uh, reach out to a professional advisor to get advice on your specific situation. Everyone's unique and uh, make sure that these, uh, this information is current because things are constantly changing, uh, but also that uh, any strategies we might talk about are appropriate for your situation and your portfolios. So again, if you're with us live, feel free to hit that Q&A bar. If you have any questions, uh, happy to answer those along the way uh, or definitely follow up with you afterwards. If you are watching this on a replay of the podcast, just go to mikeonmoney.com. You can reach us there by phone, email, uh, book an appointment, or uh, send in any questions you might have. So with that, let's dive in thing, into what's going on in the economy. Um, you know, Texas in the U.S., uh, the Texas Manufacturing Outlook uh, Survey for February is coming up. Uh, so we'll get an idea of uh, how much capacity uh, and uh that the factories have been working on and what their, their outlook is. We're just coming through earnings seasons. So a lot of forecasts coming out on that front uh, to see what the stores uh, or what the companies are forecasting for the balance of this year after a rocky start, I guess you could call it, or bumpy start anyway, to 2021 across the board. Uh, we are seeing a bit of weakness in the markets uh, starting Monday uh, and Tuesday. That's pretty much across the board, whether it be S&P, or the NASDAQ, uh, NASDAQ, the tech stocks being hit a little bit harder at 1.3% yesterday. Uh, they were off again today. Uh, pretty much just, you know, things we've been talking about for, for a while now. The unemployment numbers are still high. Uh, there's still some repair to be, uh, to be done uh, to the underlying economies. Uh, and of course, in the US, they did break through the 500,000 uh, total uh, deaths due to the corona, uh, coronavirus uh, this week, or I think Monday or late Sunday. Uh, so a little bit of, of reality uh, check for some down there. Although uh, when we talk about the vaccine distribution, we'll see that the U.S. has been able to ramp it up um, quite a bit faster than, than their, their initial launch, uh, and, and certainly ahead of Canada on that front. Uh, we also saw in the U.S. the, uh, the Fed's Powell set the table for Biden's economy, uh, but will they stay for dessert? So basically, uh, we're seeing the, the, the Fed's uh, Federal Reserve Chair, uh, Jerome Powell, uh, engineering uh, an economic rescue plan for the U.S., uh, really focusing on trying to bring in labor reforms uh, to help rebuild that economy. Remember, we've talked about this many times. Uh, yes, things in the markets have been quite strong, 
companies and corporations uh, have, for, for the most part, a lot of uh, a lot of corporations have either rebounded or, or got financial help from the uh, from the U.S. Uh, government. But there's a massive economy that exists in, in the U.S., which is the, those hourly wage earners. People are being paid by the hour. Uh, you know, where they don't have sick leave, uh, they haven't got a lot in ways of stimulus and protection, and those are where the, the largest amount of uh, jobs have been lost. So, of course, been following what's going on with the new administration, uh, you know, trying to get more stimulus uh, packages out, um, but also trying to move things in the labor market, such as increasing the minimum wage there to $15. Uh, of course, we've already done that in most provinces in Canada. Uh, and, and while a lot of pushback when Canada was starting to do it, uh, it seems the economy has absorbed that and, and, uh, and, and moved through fairly undamaged with it. Uh, so we'll see how the U.S. Does, does with those new reforms. Uh, mortgage vendor IPO woes. So we're actually seeing a little bit of concern, uh, you know, just like we've seen on markets, uh, being shown a little bit of weakness as some concerns flow in there. Also seeing that with new highs in the U.S. Uh, housing market, whether they've reached a peak. Uh, so, you know, the, the mortgage vendors in the U.S., just like we saw in 2008, they do IPO, they do take those, those things to market. Uh, and there's been uh, five vendors uh, that have been looking to do an IPO. And what has been a fairly hot IPO market down in the United States, one in Canada as well, uh, they've had to, actually had to pull those IPOs or cancel them or, or pull them back or reduce the size of them over the last four months as, uh, as investors are a bit concerned around that market in particular, around the house market in the U.S., the valuations that we've seen there. So, uh, so are we in a bubble for, for, the, for the housing market in the U.S.? Tough to say at this point. We still have incredibly low interest rates, which tends to fuel uh, markets, but at the same time, a lot of unemployment, so that means a lot less buyers coming to the market. So it's this balancing act between those two. Uh, we're seeing uh, you know, continued uh, funding though in some areas of the, of the venture market. Um, we, we saw in 2014, a tech platform uh, that was uh, going to help small apartment buildings uh, and other urban structures to become more energy efficient. Uh, the US government has promised them 2.1 uh, million to match if they can raise that. Uh, they're out there still trying to raise funds. Uh, it is it's starting to pick up as more and more people uh, see that matching contribution uh, be a, a bonus for uh, for this uh, IPO, for this technology platform. Uh, however, still not getting all the money there. So, so just showing the market's taking a bit of a pause. The, uh, the U.S. housing market bu bubble, uh, sorry, budget panel approves the $1.9 trillion COVID aid bill. So this is the second round, or I guess you could almost call it the third round of stimulus coming out of the U.S. This was the Biden's uh, budget that they wanted to get through. So they created that, that subcommittee to, to push through um, without having to have two thirds of Senate approval, just the 50%, which they control. Uh, so that's been approved today. So uh, we'll see those details coming up shortly. Uh, Yellen, uh, is, 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 uh, who's head of the U.S. Treasury, um, has, has basically said that she's going to judge, you know, on her opinion of what she thinks of the stimulus package, uh, is she's going to judge it based on what happens with unemployment numbers. And that's what we've talked about for quite some time now. Really what it's going to come down to is unemployment numbers. If those can decrease, that means 
the economy is growing. How much it's grown by? Well, the U.S. Uh, Dallas Federal Reserve, anyway, Robert Kaplan, is, is looking for a 5% GDP growth in 2021 from the U.S. Possible. I think that's a pretty aggressive one, uh, given the unemployment uh, situation there. But if that does turn around uh, a lot quicker uh, than, than expected, uh, which could happen uh, with the vaccine rollout. You know, an interesting, uh, interesting fact I saw the other day, I think it was yesterday, was, uh, you know, with Canada's slower rollout uh, versus the U.S., uh, and on top of that, good or bad, with uh, the U.S. not really shutting down much and having such a high infection rate, they could reach herd immunity far sooner than Canada, uh, which might lead to the Americans actually traveling and having things reopen a lot sooner than we will here in Canada. Uh, which I think a lot of Canadians, given the effort that we've put in compared to them, would be uh, be quite clear about. Um, but I don't think that necessarily would, would excuse the 500,000 deaths that they've seen down there. Uh, U.S. bank software provider uh, Alchemy uh, plans an IPO uh, going for a $3 billion valuation. As we just mentioned, there's a few other ones out there that, uh, that have started to soften in certain areas of the market. So we'll see how technology uh, you know, is still fair as far as the, the, the continued IPO froth out there, uh, whether that uh, will extend to the technology market um, versus the other sectors that we've seen start to pull back a little bit in the IPO uh, arena. As I mentioned, the Canadian, uh, Canadian market uh, or the Canadian COVID situation, uh, over 850,000 cases so far, um, over 30,000 still active. Uh, we do have the variants uh, coming through in, in Canada here. Uh, a, a lot of concerns about in, in the public schools as some variants have started to show up in there. I think there's some protests around that today. Um, but the, 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 the numbers, I guess, are the, the hospitalization rate and everything are, are starting to come down here in Canada. Obviously, there's a lot of concern with the March break for the schools coming up, what that's going to mean. Uh, and all these new quarantine and testing requirements for any travel uh, obviously being put into place to, um, to stem or prevent some of that travel, especially uh, international travel uh, over that March break that we're, we're heading into here in the next few weeks. So what's going on in the economy? As well as I mentioned, we're still seeing the, uh, the, the earnings reports coming through. We're waiting for Home Depot to come out. It's supposed to be very good. Uh, the home renovation trend uh, continues to be very strong as people uh, of course are at home uh, they're starting you know whether it's uh, long-term improvements whether it's just upgrades or they're just trying to nest a little bit in their home and, and make some changes and make it more comfortable uh, there's obviously been a surge in that uh, if you talk to any of the home renovation contractors uh, or supply chain uh, they're all pretty much tapped out they're all going full steam and in fact, prices for materials, pricing and lead times for materials around home renovations uh, or uh, home repair uh, have gone up substantially over the last year. So we should see good numbers out of, uh, out of the Home Depot there. Macy's is looking to report as well. Uh, and one thing to keep in mind of these reports, one of the big things we're looking at is what the new forecasts are. You know, uh, of course, we, we kind of know what has happened over the last quarter. But what are they expecting uh, as companies? What are they seeing as, as far as trends go for the uh, for the months ahead, the next quarter ahead, uh, to see if they see uh, you know better improvements um, 
than they've seen in the past quarter. So Macy's is coming out with theirs. Uh, we do expect that to be negative, but we are, you know, eyeing their forecasts as to whether we they think the sales are going to rebound or whether the, the vaccine rollout is fast enough for, for them to start to see some better numbers in the next quarter um, for their sales as well. Uh, con the, the conference board is scheduled to release the consumer confidence index, um, you know, likely reading, um, you know, comparatively 90 for February uh, versus the previous month of 89. So we are seeing a little bit more confidence that uh, this vaccine uh, is going to uh, lead to some more improvements down the road. Obviously, some concerns right now, but down the road. Uh, and what we've seen are in other countries where they, they're uh, further ahead on the vaccine rollout, uh, we are seeing the reduction of spread. So just some numbers I saw out of Israel, who are, I think they're past 50% of the population, uh, already vaccinated, and they've seen the infectious rate uh, drop by over 90%. So, you know, very, very positive. Uh, again, the vaccine is not a cure, but if it can slow down the infection rate, uh, we, can, we can get things under control. And also we're seeing in the UK, uh, where they're also pretty far ahead uh, on their vaccine rollout, uh, they're talking about uh, reopening things again as those infection rates are starting to fall at, a, uh, at very strong numbers. Bowen, uh, if you follow this in the news, of course, Bowen's had a heck of a, a heck of a year, almost two years, first with their Max 8, of course, 737 Max 8 being rounded uh, due to the, uh, the, the devastating crashes uh, that they had with those. Uh, they just got reapproved in the last month uh, to get it go back in the air, but, you know, of course, the airlines aren't flying very much these days, so that's not good for Bowen. And now uh, some of their 777, if you saw down in the U.S., over Colorado, uh, the cities in Colorado were bombarded with parts of an engine that blew apart uh, mid-flight. Luckily, no one being hurt and the plane landed safely, uh, but that's, uh, that's caused uh, a grounding, if you will, uh, of many of the older 777s uh, for inspection uh, while they figure out what was the cause there and, and whether it's systematic or if it was just that one plane um, as, as the, uh, the concern over people's safety, of course. Uh, Google is resuming accepted political ads. So if uh, you follow us through the election, uh, through the, uh, the Capitol uh, riots, uh, Google and many others like Facebook had uh, shut down um, uh, election ads to try to stem, let's call it disinformation is how they worded it, I believe, um, but certainly attack ads and, and that were trying to mislead people around different uh, parts of the US election. Uh, so Google has now uh, turned back on accepting um, ads as of February 24th, uh, allowing the advertisers uh, to start um, politicizing for any campaigns or advertising for any um, programs that they have out there. Uh, Goodyear's out there still, uh, we're still seeing a lot of uh, mergers and acquisitions. Goodyear went out and bought Cooper Tire uh, for $2.8 billion, uh, really to expand their North American and China presence for light trucks and SUVs. Uh, you know, more consolidation in that sector. Uh, in, in fact, and don't quote me on this, I think we're down to now three, maybe three different tire manufacturers. So all the different brands of tires you, know, you see out there, it's basically down to three manufacturers uh, uh, with this acquisition. Um, but they're all made by maybe sub-brands sub and different labels they have on them, but roughly there are, there are basically three different brands out there. 
Uh, as we see the, the vaccine coming out, uh, we talked, I think last week or the week before, we talked a little bit about, you know, some harder hit uh, hospitality sectors, whether it be hotels or airlines or, or cruise lines that uh, we're starting to see some early movements in the stocks. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, I would probably play that through the hotels. I'm not sure if I'm as confident with the, uh, the cruise lines or necessarily the airlines yet. Uh, but Royal Caribbean are seeing a lot of advanced bookings uh, as, as people are, are eyeing those vaccines. Uh, in fact, I saw another report on the airlines that, you know, if you went to try to book some flights for December vacation, you have a real hard time that they're, they're pretty fully booked right now. Um, not surprising because, of course, they've cut so much uh, of the air traffic. So so many other routes have been really uh, brought down to skeletal, skeletal numbers as to how many uh, planes are, go, are in the air at any one time. Uh, so if we do see an improvement, if we do see things reopen with the vaccine, uh, obviously the airlines will start adding more flights uh, and now those things will reopen again. But with that, we are seeing uh, people jumping on. Uh, I don't know if there's a lot of deals with the cruises yet, but people are jumping on bookings. Uh, maybe these are just uh, rebookings of, of uh, cruises that people had before uh, where they're just applying those credits uh, for a hopeful future date this year, maybe into next year. Uh, and UK uh, have blocked Epic Game from contesting Apple's Fortnite ban. So uh, this goes back a while. We talked about this. This is the you know a lot of the tech giants are it's a big, pretty big antitrust uh, battles either with governments or with you know within um, in not in fighting, but you know they're they're different. Apple and Fortnite. Fortnite is a game manufacturer. Apple, of course, is the hardware manufacturer, um, you know, they're, they're in battles. Uh, this one, basically Fortnite uh, did this in the United States as well, uh, where they bypassed the Apple store. So the Apple store, of course, whenever you buy something on your Apple store or on your uh, Google uh, phones or, or uh, Android phones, um, those companies take a cut from that sale. And I believe, if I remember going back from the original battle in the US, it's about 30% that Epic uh, game gives up to Apple. Uh, so Epic actually redirected the people playing their, their prime, their, their main game, Fortnite, uh, to the Epic site, said, well, buy, buy it here. Uh, and uh, and it'll, it's cheaper because they didn't have to pay that 30% to Apple. Uh, and uh, Apple, of course, sued them for doing that because that violated their terms of being on the, on the Apple store. So they kicked Fortnite off the Apple Store. Uh, there's a big battle in the US. I believe they got back on uh, the Apple Store in the US, but in the UK, the UK court has upheld Apple's right to kick them off the platform. So uh, that's an ongoing court battle that's going to go on for quite some time. In Canada, uh, we're seeing the, the Canadian banks are set, uh, their earnings decline a little bit, but investors are still optimistic. So we actually have seen a bit of rallying the bank stocks in the last few days. Uh, even though uh, they're dropping some forecasts uh, for the profits, mostly that's moved on the yield curve. The bond has, has risen a little, risen a little bit, which, which will cut a little bit into the lending profits, um, but not a not a huge turning point as uh, we've not seen a official rise in rates or even a signal in rising rates from the bank of Canada. Uh, Gum to gummies. Uh, th this is a Bo Wrigley, a billionaire Bo Wrigley Jr. is uh, taking his cannabis producer parallel public. Uh, he's going to merge this summer with Canadian listed Sarah's, uh, sorry, Sarah's 
acquisitions of, uh, out of Atlanta. Uh, so they're just taking its uh, uh, gum, it's edibles, right, for, for the cannabis uh, industry. Uh, so they're, uh, they're doing a merger there and taking that public. Uh, Ally won a war with G G4S over the auction of Garda World. So this is in uh, the security world, um, uh, corporate security, private security uh, firm, uh, G4S, uh, where there's this battle between Allied and Garda, or sorry, the battle between G4S and Allied over the acquisition of Garda and Allied has won in an auction uh, to take that over. So that's been going on for a little bit. Uh, Just Energy, which is, you know, rooted here in BC. So Just Energy, if you're not aware, a uh, company that's an ele uh, electricity and gas provider, uh, basically they buy an open market and resell. Um, they've been struggling for, uh, for several years uh, as, as, as we've seen the, the movement in the commodity prices uh, go against them a little bit. They had some leadership changeover. They uh, did some refinancing. They were basically turning things around. Uh, I believe the Patterson Group is actually quite involved in this in an ownership perspective. Uh, and they were turning things around uh, until recently. We, of course, what we saw down in Texas uh, and, and those storms uh, resulted in, in $250 million in loss, uh, which will, will highly impact the recovery and, and whether that's going to be able to, uh, to turn around now. Uh, is, is much in doubt. So we'll keep a close eye on just energy. Not something we've had in the portfolios uh, for a long, long time. I think uh, I think we did have it in there, I want to say five or six years ago, but long before the troubles began. On the US dollar front, uh, Monday slightly ticked up higher. Uh, and again, as always, the theme here, markets go down, flight to safety goes to the US dollar, so it drives it up a little bit. It doesn't really change the overall overall uh, trend and direction that we see for the US dollar. Um, but we did see it tick up slightly yesterday, uh, just on those fears. As I mentioned, the bond, 10-year uh, bond ticked up uh, just a tiny bit, uh, which does, it does affect profitability for banks as they use that to finance a longer term, uh, especially commercial debt. On the commodity front, uh, oil rose again slightly, uh, ticking up a little bit. We're definitely seeing the oil manufacturers uh, started to uh, make some money with uh, sixty dollars a barrel. Uh, this trend we do uh, we do foresee it uh, continuing to be quite strong. I heard recently that here in BC we might see gas going up to about a dollar seventy a, a liter uh, for the summertime. Uh, not great uh, if you're driving around, uh, but uh, good for the oil manufacturers uh, who, if they can keep. Um, the, the price per barrel over $60 uh, will actually lead to a pretty good recovery for them. Uh, demand is still not there, of course. This is a little bit of betting on future demand increasing, or, or I should say that. Not future demand, not getting to new highs, but just recovering a bit from the lows. Let's qualify it as that. Uh, and also on the fact that, remember, if you followed us through, uh, through 2020, the, one of the reasons why oil has been able to recover this much is OPEC and OPEC plus countries uh, have all agreed to turn, turn down production or reduce production dramatically uh, to reduce the supply. So we've reduced supply. Demand has slowly moved, but not really much off the bottom, but a little bit off the bottom. And the optimism that uh, we're, gonna, we're going to see a rise in demand later this year, uh, or a further rise off the bottom in demand uh, later this year, 
as long as that supply stays low. Those countries have to continue to agree not to incre increase supply to the world because uh, really easy for Saudi Arabia or to Russia to, uh, to dump, you know, dump a bunch of uh, cheap oil onto the market, uh, which would throw all that off. So hopefully not. Certainly that's not the plan that they, they've gone in with. Uh, and, and hopefully stick to their, their plan for those producers who are now at least able to uh, get production going. This doesn't mean, uh, you know, I wouldn't go out and rush out to, um, you know, the, the rigs, you know, uh, or any of the, uh, any of the companies that are big on new projects, right? The smaller producers that, that need to open new projects because we're, again, that supply is still being trying to squeeze down uh, so as long as there's not a lot of new projects coming on board, the price will stay high uh, and current producers can, can start to make some money and start to recover their balance sheets uh, in, in hopes to eventually bring some more supply upon the market down the road. But for now, really, it's just a maintenance uh, and, and kind of get things shored up a little bit. Uh, gold edged up a little bit higher. Uh, you know, gold... Uh, We've talked about it through the last year. It's it's a great hedge for inflation. We still really like it. We still have it in the portfolio. It's not really performed much, much in the last three or four months uh, as we have seen this battle back and forth, especially in the US with the stimulus package that just got approved today. Uh, because of course that's, you know, printed more money, causing more inflation. Uh, but the gold market was kind of teetering on which way the U.S. was going to go uh, with their stimulus package and also how quickly uh, the economies can go on their own uh, and whether we need more stimulus down the road. So a little bit of a slow go as far as the, uh, the gold uh, pricing goes uh, to the start of this year, but still the outlook is inflation and, and gold's a great hedge. And we're going to talk more about that inflation. Uh, copper did see a big run-up, hitting over 9,000 a metric ton for the first time in almost 10 years. Uh, so if, uh, if you were uh, in the materials or copper space, obviously it's, it's, it's been great. Uh, we've seen a big increase in demand and, and we see more of that in the coming years. And that's pretty broad based, but of course we have talked about the electrical car market, electrical vehicle market, uh, and copper is a big you know, component and or big uh, commodity into those components. Uh, so we do expect that to continue to move over the next little while. So let's talk about inflation and the possibility of the US economy heading towards uh, a time of significant inflation. Uh, and we say the US, we focus on it as, as the, the main or the largest market. Uh, but of course, this is a global issue. Different countries are facing um, inflation pressures at different rates, dependent on A, how badly their economies were affected through the COVID shutdown, how much stimulus, you know, so how much money did they print, um, and, and how quickly their economies recovered as they come out, come out of it. So how fast are they getting things back up and running? Uh, but if you're invested in North American market, here's kind of ways to insulate or, or protect your, your, your investment. So we talked about gold. Gold's an easy go-to. It's a simple a reverse hedge. Gold goes up, but inflation goes up, right? So um, as, as currency values go down, gold goes up. So uh, especially US dollars. So gold is a really easy inflation hedge into a portfolio. Uh, that doesn't mean having you know, the portfolio 50% gold because you're taking on a lot of risk. And as I mentioned, even with that risk of inflation looming here for the last three or four months, uh, gold has stayed pretty flat. So 
So not a big run up uh, in that area yet, but as we see uh, that turn, having exposure to gold in the portfolio, a great idea. Commodities, uh, commodities are also uh, a good uh, inflation hedge. In times of inflation, commodities tend to adjust their price to reflect uh, the higher price, which is why when we talk about the consumer price index or inflationary impact on your spending power, it's around commodity items, things like gasoline, and heat and oil, or, or natural gas, all these things that go into uh, our day-to-day -day lives. Um, so commodities uh, get repriced uh, automatically or, or naturally through uh, inflation. So they're also good inflation uh, protection and they tend to perform better uh, in an inflationary period. Diversification, so obviously diversifying your portfolio, uh, but really looking at things like utilities or high dividend paying companies. So your power companies, um, whether it be electrical, uh, pipelines are another good one. Uh, any, any industry or company that can reprice their services or offerings based on higher price uh, pricing. So uh, electricity, for example, if in inflation goes up and things cost more, they just pass that cost on to us as consumers and we just pay more. So great way to diversify the portfolio is to keep those inside, uh, inside the, the, uh, the portfolio and have a strong exposure there. Real estate tends to be a good inflationary hedge. Um, now, we've talked about real estate. We're in a very big conundrum when it comes to real estate uh, right now, not just North America, but globally, uh, because uh, we did a whole video on real estate or REITs, Real Estate Investment Trust, uh, when we talked about the, you know, that's a very broad sector when we talk about real estate because uh, you, know, you have everything from office building to commercial building, residential, uh, industrial, et cetera. So, and then you have geographies as well. So uh, we, we have this divergence in real estate right now happening, especially around the office buildings. Uh, obviously people working at home, companies really reassessing, do they need that much space? How many employees do they actually need in the office? How many can work remotely? Uh, all that is, is in a massive state of flux. And of course we have that on the retail front as well as retail stores had to make a big shift to, um, to e-commerce. Uh, so they're, they're re-looking at how much square footage they need, uh, how many different stores, you know, uh, locations that they need in order to service or maintain the same type of revenue or profitability. And that, you know, goes into your hospitality chains uh, and of course, restaurants as well. Uh, all these, these areas that were heavily impacted are all, all re, really reassessing their need for, for how much square foot, footage they need. Uh, so that's affected the demand on those areas. So when we talk about real estate as an inflationary hedge, uh, really what I recommend is to, 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 to really keep a focus on is industrial space. There's a massive shortage of industrial space, not just uh, here in Canada, but in the US. Um, you know, we have a lot of open space in, in, uh, in both countries. Uh, however, uh, industrial space uh, needs to be close to market, right? Like you need, to, you, know, you need to be close to distribution centers. You need to be close to, um, you know, delivery points. You can't, be, you can't be in Northern BC outside of Prince George and try to service the lower mainland on a cost-effective basis. So uh, industrial properties are in high demand 
which means uh, revenues for those properties are going up and so are uh, valuations. So uh, that's where I would look at if you're looking at real estate is really focus on the industrial fund. High yield debt. Uh, so high yield debt, this is your, your I don't say high risk debt, debt, debt sorry, uh, but high yield uh, tends to be higher risk than, than, than say, uh, you know, triple A, it's triple A rated uh, debt. You can look at triple B rated, which is where we would normally look for what we call high yield debt. Uh, yes, there's higher risk of default in that arena, uh, but they tend, you know, because they're high, slightly higher risk, they have to uh, pay their, their, their lenders more money and they adjust quickly. Uh, they tend to be shorter term loans and they adjust quickly to uh, higher inflation and higher market uh, pricing on debt. So uh, if you want to keep up with it, uh, you might want to consider some high yield debt. Again, you are going down to a triple B status, triple B minus status. Uh, that's not, you know, uh, the ranking of debt, you know, from triple A, double A, A, triple B, E, double B, all the way down to C and, and, uh, and down to C minus. Uh, so, uh, so does it mean they're default? Yes, the higher risk. Uh, I would definitely consider having a portfolio of, of, of higher yield debt. So maybe buying an ETF uh, that you know holds 50 different issuers in there. And even if two or three of those were to default, you would still do well with it um, because the other ones uh, would carry it uh, as opposed to buying individual names, uh, especially if you know, your portfolio is not one that you can buy several different names to offset that risk yourself. So, uh, so that's one area of the market to keep in mind uh, that does well. And then lastly, tips. So tips are generally government bonds, not always. There's some private ones out there. Um, these are just uh, bonds whose interest rates move with inflation. So inflationary protected uh, in treasury, inflation protected uh, uh, service and bonds. So uh, I, I like some of the government ones on the US, you can buy one. The symbol on the exchange is actually tips. And um, so they, they, their, their, their interest rate adjusts upwards with inflation. Not great to own these in a decline in inflation market uh, or deflation market, but of course, because of course their interest rates are being cut on you. Uh, but as inflation is going up, then uh, your, your interest rates or your payments uh, are increasing as well. So they're another way to, to look at kind of your bond side of your portfolio and protect against rising rates or potentially rising inflation uh, in there. So those are six easy ways and definitely things to consider. Uh, we're definitely doing this in the, the portfolios. We made some changes in December to, uh, to look at a lot of these different areas. Um, as I mentioned, we've had gold, commodities, we've introduced oil back in December, uh, which has been doing incredibly well. Uh, utilities, we're always been a big fan there. Industrial real estate, we've been there for a while. High yield debt and tips we have not moved into yet, but they're definitely on the radar for the portfolio. So something to keep, keep an eye on and also something to look at if you're doing anything on your own. So with that, that's what I have for you this week. Thank you everyone for joining us. Again, if you want to rewatch this or, or forward it on, you can go to mikeonmoney.com. Love to hear from you guys if you have any tips uh, or suggestions uh, for us uh, to keep, uh, so for any of the future topics that we do, uh, and with that, I will talk to you again next week and enjoy, uh, enjoy your week. Hopefully we have a sunny one this week. Thanks. Take care.